You know, more than ever, we need faith in our lives. And uh, I was encouraged here in uh, Hebrews 12 and in verse 2. We read the scripture a few weeks ago, but we'll read it again here. It says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. So this verse implies, since Jesus is the author and the perfecter of our faith, this scripture tells me that as God's children, we are all individually involved in a lifelong process managed by Jesus himself to bring about the perfection of our faith. The words used here, when Jesus is called an author of our faith, author means originator. The author of a book is the one who put out the words from their head. The author, the originator, or the creator. So first of all, he is the author, the originator, or creator of our faith. This word in Greek can also mean he's the captain, he's the chief leader, or the prince of our faith. That word can be uh, translated that way as well. So from this, we can deduce that Jesus is the originator of our faith and that he begins it. As well as the captain or prince of our faith. This indicates that Jesus controls our faith. And don't forget, from the scripture, his goal is to perfect it in each of our lives, our faith. So Jesus controls our faith. He steers it as a captain steers a ship. And he presides over it and cares for it as a ruler presides over his people. Jesus is the beginner of our faith. When did our faith begin? Well, when we were called and when we accepted Jesus as our Savior, when we heard the gospel and believed and became a follower of Jesus Christ, we at that point were in Christ, okay? And we are still to this day and continue to be. So he's the beginner of our faith, but the scripture also says that he is the perfecter of our faith. The word perfecter means completer or finisher, and it refers to bringing something to a conclusion. So isn't that encouraging to, to understand? When it comes to our faith, Jesus is in control of it, and he is also working with our faith, growing our faith, bringing about to the point of perfection. That's very encouraging. So Jesus Christ both creates and sustains our faith. So we're all in the middle some, someplace between the time that Jesus began our faith, he first blessed us with faith, he gave us faith, and between that and the time when our faith will finally be perfected. We're, we're all in the middle, the middle there someplace. It reminds me of when you go to a cemetery to visit a loved one and you see the gravestone there. And let's say they were born in 1940 and there's a dash and then it says they died in nine, uh, 2021. 
So you, you have the, the, the year of their birth, the year of their death, and in the middle, all you have is a dash. And it's amazing because that dash represents that whole person's life. Every experience they ever had, every love they ever had, every achievement they ever had. You know, it's too bad you can't put all that in, into a gravestone for people to see and to read about. All you have is a dash. Now, we're in that same situation. You know, we had a, a start <laughs> the year we were called and, and came to be a Christian. We were born again. And then there's the year, whatever it will be, when either we die or Jesus returns and we will reach that point of perfection and we will be changed in an instant, in the twinkling of an eye, as the Bible says. We will be transformed from human to spirit. So we're all in that middle point someplace between start and finish. And our faith is growing. Our faith is, is uh, becoming mature. And it's all the work of Jesus in us. It's not up to us to go out there and be determined to grow in faith. Jesus is working with us to bring that about. So he creates our faith. He sustains our faith. And he is in the process of perfecting our faith. So saving faith is a gift from God, not something we come up with on our own. That gift of faith comes from Jesus, its originator. Let's remind ourselves of that in Ephesians 2, beginning in verse 8. Ephesians 2, beginning in verse 8, well-known scripture. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this faith, not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. So we need to be thankful for the faith, for the belief we have, for the confidence that we've been given in God, because that has been a gift. It started out small, but it's growing. We're not beginners anymore in this Christian walk. We're mature Christians now headed toward perfection under the tutelage of Jesus. Jesus is also the sustainer of our faith, meaning the true saving faith cannot be lost because Jesus is in control of it. He's managing it. So true saving faith cannot be lost. It cannot be taken away or even given away. This is a great source of comfort to believers, especially in times of doubt and spiritual struggles. But what exactly is this Christian faith? We know that Jesus began it in us. He sustains it in us. He is going to perfect it in us. What is this faith that we're talking about? I want to turn to first or second Peter, rather, because uh, in a few verses here. I think Peter does a real good job of explaining what our faith is. What do we have faith in? Peter explains here that faith in Jesus Christ uh, that we all have, he affirms it in three different statements here. Second Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. He starts off his letter by saying, Simon Peter, that's who's writing it, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, 
to those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, have received a faith as precious as ours. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. So in those two verses, there are three important things that our faith consists of. Okay, point number one, he says in verse one, that Jesus is God. Okay, Jesus is God. To read it again, he says, to those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Sometimes people say, you know, I don't think there's anywhere in the Bible where Jesus says that he's God. Well, there's an example right there. Our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So Jesus Christ is God. He's the Son of God. We worship God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So is Jesus God? Yes, indeed he is. So we have faith in that. We believe that. He wasn't just a man. He wasn't just a philosopher that came to earth thousands of years ago, as some people might think. He is God, the Son of God. Now, he also says in that statement, not only is Jesus God, but he is our Savior. So our faith is not only that Jesus is God, the Son of God, but he is also our Savior. Because we heard the story of how he died on the cross without having committed a sin. And his sacrifice was intended for all the human race. He died for everybody's sins. Even people who don't know Jesus, he died for their sins. Even people who reject Jesus or don't believe in God, he died for their sins too. He died for the sins of the whole world. Now, you know, as we talk to people maybe who are not Christians, they say, well, I don't care what he did. But do you understand he died for your sins? I, I don't care. Well, that doesn't take away the truth of the matter that he did die to pay the penalty for their sins, just as he paid the penalty for our sins. And that's the funny thing about the gospel. You know, we're telling a story, a true story, about something that God accomplished through his son, Jesus Christ. He came to this earth to die, to pay the penalty for all the sins of all people. Now it's up to people as to what they want to do with that truth. They can believe it or they can reject it. And they're called to, to believe it personally. Not just that he died for the sins of the whole world, but that he died for my sins. And I'm a sinner. And he now is my savior. So that's the truth. Nothing can, can, can uh, mar that truth. It's up to people as to how they want to take that. Some will respond to it like we have and say, indeed, I am a sinner. And I understand that there's a death penalty. I don't want to die and be dead for all eternity. I want my sins to be forgiven. And this is a free gift. All you have to do is humble yourself and accept Jesus as your savior. Repent of your sins. So this is part of what we believe too, that this man who was on earth was the son of God who came from heaven and he is the savior of the world. But there's another point too. He goes on to say here, again in verse two, 
Through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ, we have received a faith as precious as ours. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus, our what? Lord. That's the third aspect of it. Point number one, Jesus is God. Point number two, Jesus is the Savior of the world. But point number three is, Jesus is also Lord. And what does Lord mean? He is the one in charge. He has the authority. He deserves to be called Lord because he rules over his creation. He rules over the world. He rules in each of our individual lives. Okay, so as he's growing us in faith toward perfection, these are three main pillars that our faith stands on, that we believe. And I want to focus a little bit on this last one, that Jesus is Lord, okay? He's in charge, because sometimes our faith wavers on that point, especially when we're facing individual trials, individual troubles, whatever we may deal with. And as I look out over the congregation today, I've already spoken today to individuals who have certain concerns, certain problems, certain issues that they're dealing with. And we have to always remind ourselves, and we're learning this, this truth and this reality in our lives, that Jesus is in charge. Amen. He is Lord of all. Christian faith is confidence in Jesus. That's what we're growing in. That's what, what Jesus is bringing us to perfection in. The understanding that Christian faith is confidence in Jesus. That's what we're all about here. <laughs> this is what we're walking in. We're walking in faith, having confidence that Jesus is in charge of every aspect of our lives. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that that means everything is going to work out beautifully in our lives. I'm not saying that. The Bible doesn't say that. I probably, as a young man, once thought that if you're a Christian, that means you're not ever going to have to suffer anything. Because God, like a genie in a bottle, all you have to do is say a prayer, and everything bad in your life is miraculously going to turn to good in your life, every aspect of it. That's the way I looked at God one time, and I think most people did, and most people probably still do. But God doesn't promise that. You know, Jesus can be in charge, and you can still suffer in your life. But Jesus is in charge. In other words, sometimes he allows you to suffer. Now, sometimes we bring suffering on ourselves by being stupid and doing stupid things. But sometimes when we're trying to do right and, you know, even then things can go wrong in our lives. Trials can come along, but that's part of the perfecting process, you see, because God teaches us that it's usually when we're struggling. When we have that health problem, when we have that financial problem, when we have concerns and, you know, as we're raising our kids and struggles with that, that is fertile ground for growth in faith. Amen. You see, when everything is just rosy in your life, you know, sure, you're thankful, you know, God's in charge. Uh, you don't necessarily feel like you're growing in faith, but it's when negative things happen, when trials come, when struggles come along, and you hold on to God with all your might. 
that's when you really grow in faith. That confidence in God, that faith in God, that uh, relying on Him, Him being our place of refuge in, in troublesome times, that is when real growth takes place. So don't be surprised, the Bible teaches us, when you struggle sometimes as a Christian, when that health problem just won't go away, when you can't get your head above water financially, don't think God has left you or forsaken you. He's promised never to do that. He's there. He is in charge. He's using this experience as a tool for, for growth in your faith. So again, I say Christian faith is confidence in Jesus. It is confidence in his ability to bring you through every circumstance in life. You will face many trials and temptations and some situations that are too great for you to handle, but they are not too great for him. Why? Because he's Lord over every situation you may face. It was a few years ago that there was a popular saying amongst Christians where people would say, when they saw you had problems or you were struggling with something, they would say, trying to be helpful. Well, you know what? God won't give you more than you can handle. How many times have you heard that? And that just drives my wife and I up the wall whenever somebody says that. Because it's not true. The truth is, God won't give you anything more than He can handle. Because there's a lot of stuff in our lives that we can't handle. And like I said, you feel that it's over your head. There's no solution. There's no way out of this. this. This problem I have is so complex and convoluted. Where do I begin to solve this situation? You know what? God can handle it very easily. Amen. And when you say God won't give you more than you can handle, you're putting it all on yourself. <laughs> but we're putting it on Jesus. Because that's what Christian faith is all about. God won't give you anything more than he can handle. Hey, that, that gives you confidence and hope because God's in charge. And because I have Christian faith, I put him in charge. He's my Lord. I'm nothing without him. Christian growth and maturity is happening in each of our lives because we put Jesus as Lord. And he's the one helping us along every step of the way. Jesus is God. Jesus is Savior. And Jesus is our personal Lord. He is in me, and he is for me. I need to keep him at the center of my life. Amen. This is a good thing. You know, Christians aren't attempting to be independent. People in the world value independence. But we as Christians are drawn to our Lord, our Savior, our God, Jesus Christ. Back here to uh, 1 Peter this time. 1 Peter chapter 1. So this is the same author, Peter, in his first epistle. Notice what he says here about our faith, our journey through this life of faith going from just beginning to perfection. Peter starts off in 1 Peter 1, verse 3. He says this. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you. So we know that's God's promise. We know that sure, Jesus has already prepared a place for us to be in his kingdom and, and in his dwelling place. He says here in verse five, talking about Jesus, who through faith we are shielded by God's power until the coming of salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. So as the song just said, when we all get to heaven, how we're gonna rejoice, how we're gonna shout, how we're gonna dance, because all the cares and worries of this physical life are gonna be gone and behind us. No more worries, no more cares. Verse six, in this you greatly rejoice, talking about our future, though now for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. So we don't know how this works. It's a lifelong process for however long you live as a Christian. The process is starting with just a little bit of faith that has been given to you to perfection. And like I said, we're all in that process right now. We don't always see it happening. We don't always perceive it when it does happen and when growth takes place. But you can be guaranteed that when you go through a trial and you come out at the end of it, you may feel beaten up. You may feel weary. You may feel totally worn by this trial. But the way Jesus looks at it, it has been a success because growth has been taking place. And now at the end of the trial, and as time goes on, you can look back on that trial and to say, you know what? God brought me through that. Amen. So no matter what I face in the future, I can look back and say, he brought me through that. I know he's gonna bring me through this. We have confidence, we have faith that has been growing toward perfection. Let's read on a little bit further. Talking about Jesus, verse eight, though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Amen. So what is it about faith in God? <laughs> Why is faith so important to him? Because he's teaching that faith should be important to us. The reason we were created as a race of people God intended for us to have a relationship with him. He wants to be, be the kind of God, just as we men, you know, who have had children, we want our kids to look up to us. We want our kids to depend on us. And we, you know, through our childbearing years, along with our wives, we always felt a certain amount of pride and goodness 
that our kids can count on us, that dad or mom could be there for them, that they would come to us when they have needs, when they have concerns. And the, way, the reason why God created us to be like that as parents is because that's the way he is. He enjoys it. He loves it when his created sons and daughters come to him. Come to him with their needs. Come to him with their desires. Rely on him. Depend on him. So, you know, when we are like that for our kids, we are following in the footsteps of God. We're mimicking him, whether we realize it or not. So God wants us to have faith. And our faith is going to be tested. And it's going to be increased when we endure trials. Trials aren't easy to endure, but they're used by God to draw us closer to him. And through this trial situation, a lesson that we learn, that I know my wife and I have learned, and many of you have learned, Romans 12, verse 2. Because sometimes when we have trials, really difficult trials, they don't always work out the way we intend them to work out. But that's okay. God's in charge. We pray for his will to be done. It says in Romans 12, verse 2, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And that's part of growing in faith, too. Because it's not so much what you think should happen. We pray that what God thinks will happen or what God intends for us. And when our mind is in the process of being renewed, he says, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So God's will is good, pleasing, and perfect. Our will is not. (laughs) You know, I've told you before that I was the kind of guy who wanted to pray to God about something. I would already have it thought out what the solution to my problem (laughs) should be. And I wouldn't pray to God and say, Lord, your will be done in this matter. I would pray to God and say, okay, God, here, I got it all uh, planned. Here's the way that I think you should solve my problem. You know, first this should happen, then that should happen, and then finally this will happen, and case closed. Trial is successfully dealt with. How self-centered. How, you know, how crazy is that? When you go to God and pray like that, your prayer is not going to be answered. Because God says, you think you know what's best for you? I know what's best for you. And furthermore, what I think about you and what my will is for you is good, pleasing, and perfect. Because I know you better than you know yourself, John Dobrich. I've learned that lesson many times in my life. And I'll tell you what, it's always been true. What I thought was right and what I was telling God, you know, the way to answer my prayer never would have worked. It would have failed miserably because I don't know enough. God does. He knows me. He knows my personality. Furthermore, he knows my past. He knows my future. He is above time. He sees the future for me. So he is going to answer my prayer 
in the way that he sees is best. And uh, I've had to learn that lesson many times. So it's good that we grow in faith. Our belief, our trust, our confidence in God, not in ourselves, but in God. He's our shepherd. He loves us. He's always watching out for us. He sees the future for us, and he's going to work it out that what happens to us is the best for us, leading all the way up to our change, our transformation into heaven, uh, into his kingdom, however you want to call it. And we can be thankful and confident and joyful that we have a God who is so concerned about us that he's working that out behind the scenes. And you know what? Sometimes when things happen and trials come along, we're kicking and, and punching and, you know, we're resisting and God's almost dragging us along, you know, with our, our heels in the dirt. Sometimes people don't look at trials and difficulties in a positive way. We should. You know, I remember Job. Remember all that he had to go through? All his flocks were killed. The whole thing with Satan coming along. And, you know, God was, was proud of Job. He said, you know, there's no more righteous man in the land. And Satan comes along and he says, you know what? The only reason Job worships you is because he's got so many things. Take those things away and he's going to curse you, God, to your face. Well, Satan took all those things away. Job was still hanging in there. Okay. And then another conversation Satan came to God again and, and uh, God said look at him you know all his flocks all his houses are gone now uh, family has died uh, Job what a guy I love him and Satan says yeah you touch his life and he's going to curse you you know you, he, you took away all his belongings but now touch his life and he's going to curse you so Job got really sick he broke out in boils all over his body, and uh, he hung in there. He hung in there. And people came along, his wife, number one, in, in the second chapter of Job, you know, she saw him suffering. She saw him in agony. And uh, Job is trying to figure it all out. You know, why did this happen? You know, I love God. I'm, I'm trying to do what's right. And uh, he struggled with that reality. But what did his wife tell him? Job, why don't you just curse God and let him kill you? <laughs> That's looking at trials in a very negative way. Amen. You know, why are you, you trying to figure out what God is, is doing here and why he's allowing all this to happen and you, you go on suffering, why don't you just curse him and let him kill you and be done with it? But Job wouldn't listen to that. He continued to struggle through the whole book of Job until at the end of the book, God intervenes and straightens him out and teaches him that his real sin is the, the sin of self-righteousness. And he, he had to learn the lesson. God taught him, you know what, next to God, you're nothing. Amen. And Job finally got the point. He said, God, I, I've heard of you, but now my eye sees you. So it was tough for him to go through the trials, but what God was doing in his life was working his faith and helping him to see God as God truly is and for his faith to be perfected. And the same thing is happening in each of our lives. You know, sometimes people think that, well, you become a Christian, everything's gonna be roses now. 
You're going to have a great life, all joy, no suffering, and that's just not the case. That's, that's non-biblical. But I want to turn to one last scripture here in Philippians 1, verse 6. We're all in this process. We're in God's good hands, even though it might not look at, like it on the surface because we're hurting, we're sick, we're struggling financially or struggling with relationships or with raising our kids. But this struggle, this growing in faith with all of its difficulties is going to come out perfect. And I like this scripture here in Philippians 1 verse 6 where the Apostle Paul says, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you, that's Jesus, he's the one who started you out with faith, he's the beginner of your faith, he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So this process goes from when we first became a Christian to our death or to the second coming of Jesus, whichever, the work will be complete. Your faith will be perfect in God's sight. And you're going to use that faith and that confidence in God throughout eternal life. Because there will always be a cause, there will always be reason to come back to God time after time after time with confidence and faith knowing that he wants what's best for you, that he's going to work out things perfectly according to his good, pleasant, and perfect will. He's boss. You know, sometimes we fight against him in our lives, but he always comes out ahead. He always comes out number one. And we humble ourselves and worship him because he is the God that he is. And we look forward to being with him face to face for all eternity. So let's consider and appreciate this journey of faith that we're on from start to finish because he guarantees that our faith will be perfect and his job will be successful in each of us.